It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hey there, Bengals fans. Free agency is officially open, and we're going to talk about it for the next week while the Bengals sit on the sidelines and do nothing. But before that, another reminder to when you get in your car, tell your device to play podcast Locked On Bengals, and Joe and I will keep you company with rosy thoughts like the Bengals have no money and are talking to no one, to quote John Fay, on your way to work. Or maybe, you know, other things like there's some guys out there they should trade for. Anyway, we'll keep you company on your way to work. Talk to you about the Bengals, who I'm assuming is your favorite football team if you're listening to this podcast. And I think this is probably the best place on the internet to get that content. So, without further ado, the Locked On Bengals Free Agency Day 1 Tampering Edition shall commence. The Bengals, of course, haven't re-signed anybody. Except their exclusive guys. So, Eifert, Denard, Uzama, Croft, Bobby Hart... Uh, Preston Brown, they're all unrestricted free agents at this point. Meanwhile, the rest of the league is busy, as always. Joe, what are your early thoughts here? (laughs) Well, trying to temper expectations while still holding a standard of what we should expect, right? I mean, not just for – you look at the league, you watch Twitter, and that's the the hard part about it is fans of – most teams are at least eyeing a few free agents that they believe their team would have a real shot at getting. And there's a handful of teams right now that are already spending big money. Uh, we'll get into it. To pay. I mean, the Steelers are already um, – not the Steelers. The Raiders are already over $60 million in guaranteed money they've, they've given out in the last two days. So when you look at it, you, you're a Bengals fan. And I know I'm, I'm not expecting them to do anything crazy. I'm not expecting them to jump on some of these players that are getting crazy money. But we should ask for them to do that, or at least be interested in it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's a standard thing. Just because they haven't done it before and they always trot out the excuses about not doing it doesn't mean that we shouldn't, as fans, ask them every year, you guys need to modernize. Free agency is part of building winning football teams. And they'll say, but Green Bay doesn't do it. Well, Green Bay's won one Super Bowl with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Well, New England doesn't do it. Oh, but they do. And New England also does the pick swap trades, and they 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 win every offseason, and you don't know it until they're winning another Super Bowl. Right. And when you look at it and you you it's the the need positions already, let's say tackle and linebacker, have already had a lot of buzz and noise for the top guys at both positions. And already I'm like Yep, I don't think the Bengals are in on this. Yeah, so looking at those top guys, that's a good transition. Trent Brown, who we have said wouldn't like comes with some risk. All those Dante Sarnecchia guys when they leave Dante Sarnecchia, I can't. Is it Sarnecchia or Sarnecchia? No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. With the C or the A? I always called him Sarnecchia. Okay, there's a C in there. Sarnecchia. Uh, when they leave that system in New England and go on to other teams, 
they don't perform as well. And that's kind of not surprising. And Tom Cable coached offensive lines have been rough, especially in pass protection. So Trent Brown signs with Oakland for four years, $66 million. That's over $16 million a year. 36.75 guaranteed, which brings the Raiders to, like Joe said, $66 million of guaranteed money they've paid out in the last couple of days. And guaranteed money is important, and we should probably spend one second to at least talk about that. Yeah. Why guaranteed money is king? Because there was a report right after. After the Raiders have already signed these two, Dove Kleiman uh, on Twitter said they would be interested in Le'Veon Bell, but they don't have the cash to 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 purchase him, to, to send him an offer, basically. They have the cap space, but they don't have the cash. And, and people are, are kind of taken aback by that, like, what? This is a professional franchise. They don't have the cash. But I think this happens to more teams. Now, I think the Raiders may be on the very low end of the spectrum of, of poor teams. But uh, I think this happens to, to way more teams than we realize. And it's important for Bengals fans to distinguish the difference between cash and cap. The cap is not a figure right now. Honestly, when the next CBA comes up and the players and, and, and owners have to talk, there's going to be a lot of talk about cash rather than cap, I think. And because of that, and because and when you look at the Bengals and you try to equate this, we talk, Jake and I have talked about this a bunch. It's about the guaranteed money. The Bengals typically don't give out guaranteed money. And when you do, do give out guaranteed, you have to give guaranteed money in free agency, basically, because that's that's what's going to win in a competitive offer or a competitive scene. The guaranteed money, say you want to give a guy a $60 million deal with $30 million guaranteed, similar to the Trent Brown deal. That $30 million guaranteed has to be cash. You have to take that, write a check the day he signs his contract, and put it into an escrow account that's going to stay there and be paid out and through the life of the contract. So for the Raiders, they've already they've signed away $66 million in the last two or three days for these two deals and put it into an account that they cannot touch. That's not theirs anymore. So when you think about it, cap works differently because you can, as you are making money, you're spending that money and it's, it's shared between all the teams and uh, it's been shared revenue. So it's much different, much more fluid. You don't have to worry about that cap money. Guaranteed money is money directly out of the ownership or, or the organization's pocket. And that's, that's why we don't expect the Bengals to attack free agency. It's not just because they are scared of it. It's also because factor of why they're probably scared of it is because it is cash out of Mike Brown's pocket. And there's also a question of, do they have the cash on hand to right. pay out the most guaranteed money they've ever given out is AJ Green's contract, right? 28 million, 28 million. So this, this guy, Trent Brown, who may or may not be a very good offensive tackle for the Raiders got nine million more dollars nearly 10 million more dollars in guaranteed money than aj green who a lot of bengals fans right now are going to say one of the best bengals of all time and aj green's on an island by himself in terms of guaranteed money for the bengals if you look at geno atkins 16 million um andy dalton 17 million carlos dunlap 15 million i mean we're talking peanuts compared to what these guys get in the open market for in terms of guaranteed money and now the bengals their approach is you will see all five years of your deal. So that guaranteed money is effectively guaranteed in, in our system. But it's not. If a guy gets hurt and they've got to release him, that money is not guaranteed. It, if you see the life of your contract, yeah, it, you will see more money or a lot of time. You know, guys get cut after two or three years in free agency. We should expect that. They're four or five-year deals. But really, you should look at them as three-year deals by the way they're usually structured. Yeah. But, 
But for the Bengals, if they sign a guy for five years, you should expect them to be there for five years because it would set a bad precedent that they're lying about their effective guarantee if they cut guys early. But that does not hold weight with NFL agents, with NFL and players, players nope. and free agency. They don't care. They want guaranteed nope. money, and that's why the Bengals never, I guess never is fair, rarely make these free yeah. agent deals. Think about it, your job, all right? Your job, you got two offers from two different businesses. The one says, hey, we'll sign you for the, we'll give you a contract for the next three years. We'll guarantee that you're going to make 300000 over the next three years. While the other one says, well, we'll sign you for four years, and we have the option basically to choose every single year. You're going to make, you're going to make the same amount of money. You'll still make the 100 Gs a year, but every year it's not guaranteed. We're going to figure it out. Which one are you going to take? You're going to take that guaranteed 300,000 that even if they cut you or you don't do your job and they cut you after two years, you still get that money. And that's why free agency cash is king. Guaranteed money is king. And for those of you out there who are thinking, no, I would take that extra year and I would bet on myself. You're betting on yourself in most likely a job that doesn't involve you having a risk of career-ending injury, you right. know, career-ending incident every time you go to work. Right. I work in an industry where we get hurt often. You know, I work in a plant, and so if in that scenario, that is a big risk because guys are constantly getting hurt, just like you know, in the NFL, you have a chance that the next snap you take is your last. At least you have a union protecting you. Yeah. Well, so do they, but. Guaranteed money still. We don't get that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So when when you look at you know 2017 and you Google it and you say, how much money do NFL teams actually make? And you see that each of the 32 teams took $255 million each in shared revenue on top of whatever they made for themselves. You're thinking like, man, how do, how do these teams not have enough money to pay out to these players? And I mean... If you add it all up, it probably makes a little bit of sense, but the Bengals have never shown that they can pony up the escrow cash, the guaranteed cash, and and that's why they don't play in week one of free agency. It's never a value thing. It's not a philosophy thing. Maybe it is. Maybe I shouldn't be so presumptuous, but it's Yeah, but it's chicken just... and the egg. I mean, is it their philosophy because they've gotten into this, or is it their philosophy because they truly believe it? I mean, I you look at most teams, and yeah. they're attacking free agency. Even the Packers, right? Like, the Bengals right. fans always like to po- point to the Packers. The Packers don't play in pre- free agency, but they do now. They're trying to win while Aaron Rodgers is still there. Anyway, uh, that ends our rant, I think, on guaranteed money in the NFL Taking a look at some of the specific deals that have happened, we talked about Trent Brown in Oakland. Malik Jackson, who was cut, has signed with the Eagles for three years, $30 million. That is much too rich for the Bengals' blood. But if he were taking a discount because he was still owed guaranteed money, then that was somebody who would have been a great fit for the Bengals. But, I mean, if you're going to tell me the Bengals are going to pay, what would that be, Another, another, like, 40% 40% on their defensive line. Sure. I, I, that's a lot of money to type in defensive line. And maybe it would work out, right? Because, you know, cap shenanigans. Do what you got to do. But I mean, some teams do that. Some teams say if we're going to overspend uh, at a position, a lot of times it's going to be defensive line or quarterback or offensive line. Yeah. Regardless, I think that was always an unlikely move at that point of money because two of the highest paid players on the Bengals are already on the defensive line. They already have a higher than average 
positional spending allocation to the defensive line. So not surprised that he was never on the radar. Good signing for the Eagles. Uh, three years, yep. $30 million for a productive defensive tackle that makes an already scary defensive line more productive. Next one is Juwan James rumored to have an $11 million offer from Denver. This is another tackle that we've talked about as a potential target for the Bengals. I think at 11 million, that is slightly more than the Bengals want to pay. And again, it'll be the the guaranteed money that really would decide it for the Bengals. I think they would pay 11 million if it was no guaranteed money in the way they acquired Cordy Glenn last year. Uh, But when you, obviously that's not going to happen, but it just gives you a range. Now, Juwan James was considered maybe the fourth out of the top four guys that were good tackles, at least. And Trent Brown being the top guy, got 16 and a half million. So there's your range. Now, if you want Daryl Williams or I'm spacing on the, on the other guy, um, but anyways, the range now it looks like it's going to be ten, eleven million dollars to sixteen million. Tampa, right? Yes, that's right. He was already signed. He resigned with Tampa. Yeah. So uh, let's take a quick break here. Those are that's the early news. Those are the guys that have offers or have signed. Some of the early rumors. We'll take a break and talk about some of the rest of the stuff going on in the NFL, including the market getting set potentially for Tyler Boyd. A couple linebackers the Bengals could trade for with some of those pick swap. Kind it's of actually deals. the linebacker market, the way it's shaping up, may help the Bengals. While the big yeah, guys are getting so. signed, they're getting signed in the areas that would help Cincinnati. Yeah. So we'll take a quick break, come back, and take another bit of time to talk about some of the rest of what's going on in NFL free agency tampering period day one. Well, we're coming out of break. Just to give you an idea of the time we're recording this, and Quan Alexander has just signed the biggest linebacker, off-ball linebacker contract in the NFL. Quan Alexander is now making $13.5 million a year. 49 Four years. Four years. $54 million. $27 million guaranteed dollars for Quan Alexander. He's getting paid. He's getting paid more than Luke Keekley, more than Bobby Wagner. You name a linebacker. He's getting paid more. Until C.J. Mosley signs. This is the worst contract I, that I could possibly imagine an NFL team signing. Jake's Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander. <laughs> Quan Alexander has been hurt. And when he's been on the field, he has been a missed tackle machine. Here's some stats for you. Quan Alexander has never had a PFF grade above 70 for a full season. And usually pass rushers get paid. He's had eight career quarterback hits. uh, And he's coming off a season where he only played 366 snaps coming off a knee injury. So this is a – in terms of free agency, when we talk about good bets and bad bets, because you're going to have to overpay either way, this is a risky bet. You – oh, he's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL, Joe. This is – this is insane. This is insane. Quan Alexander is not that good. This is nuts. I like Quan Alexander. I don't like him as the highest paid linebacker in the league. I mean, I like that what the the 49ers are have been weird, right? They've kind of signed players, even like when they traded for Jimmy G and then they, they signed him right away. Uh, they have spent a lot of money for a bad team. It's kind of like I, I, where I question, are they rebuilding or are they going for this thing? Yet they've been bad every year for the last couple of years now. Now, getting your quarterback hurt has a big effect on that. But 
they're very interesting to see how they end up in in the next year or two. I am flattened by how much money Quan Alexander made. So what's KJ Wright going to make? Is he going to make seventeen million a year? Is is CJ Mosley going to make twenty million a year when Luke Not- Keekley holds out? Is he going to make twenty five? KJ Wright's 29, so that's going to hurt him a little bit. But I do think CJ Mosley is easily going to get 15 now. So if you had any hopes of the Bengals stealing CJ Mosley away from the Baltimore Ravens, that is gone. I mean, not that it should have never really been a serious consideration, but you can you can flush that down the toilet. There's no chance that that's happening now. Absolutely floored. The 49ers apparently are also working on a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. According I'm to sorry. Matt Miller. The 49ers are? The 49ers, according to Matt Miller, spoke. Man, these Bay teams are going out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun if you live in that area. Here's also from Albert Breer. Rumblings the last few days were that Ravens linebacker C.J. Mosley could wind up getting around $16 million per. Yeah, he turned down a good offer from Baltimore, uh, Breer continues, with Quan Alexander getting $13.5 million. That doesn't seem out of whack. That's Drew Rosenhaus at work, man. Drew Rosenhaus, apparently. This is Trevor Sikama. Drew Rosenhaus represents Quan Alexander. Mm. His tweet, you're asking a guy coming off an ACL tear with one Pro Bowl alternate to be worth more than six-time and five-time Pro Bowlers and five-time, sorry, six-time Pro Bowler and five-time All-Pro and five-time Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowler and four-time All-Pro, Keekley and Wagner. Here's from I got a great tweet from Peter Bukowski. He does the Lockdown Packers. But he said, here, okay, as we said for Quan Alexander, $13.5 million for Quan Alexander coming off a torn ACL. But the 49ers also gave Jimmy Garoppolo $137 million, and then he tore his ACL. They gave the Jarek McKinnon, $37 million, and then he's tore his ACL. Man, they're not afraid of the ACL injury, and they're giving out money, and they're betting on <laughs> recoveries, I guess. But it's not, it's not the ACL. It's, it's like he, even when he's healthy, he's athletic, but he's... he's All right. You know what, NFL, you do you. If the Bengals aren't signing Quan Alexander to $13.5 million deals, I'm cool with it. We've got some other targets because of it. We the, the yeah, one let's report talk is, about that. Yeah, C.J. Mosley may go to the Redskins. The Redskins are apparently gearing up some money, getting some cap and some cash uh, in order to make a, a strong offer for Mosley. And because of that, they have to dump or are willing to trade their two inside linebackers right now, one being Zach Brown, who has bounced around between the – the uh, started with the Titans, then went to the Bills, went to the Redskins the last two years, coming off a really strong year in terms of PFF grade, 89.5, I believe. Uh, and he's due $8.75 million, I think. He's kind of a knucklehead, and that's the reason he'd be going on to his fourth team. But he's athletic and good in coverage. So Zach Brown, if we're talking fifth rounder, you know, based on where these veterans have been going – I'm that I'm I'm all for that. I don't have much interest in Mason Foster, even though I do own him on my uh, on my shadow team that I draft every year. I drafted Mason Foster like six years ago. But anyways, and then the other one right was the Jets. The Jets possibly to trade trading Darren Lee. Yeah, former Ohio State linebacker went in the first round. Super athlete. He's 24 years old. Finally had a good year last year, or at least an above average year last year. Uh, Typically good in coverage or better in coverage than he is against the run. I think the Bengals should be in on Deron Lee, especially since we talked about trading first-round picks when we talked about Ross. What the Bengals would actually be on the hook for is less than $2 million, I think, Jake. Yeah, it's like $1.8 million in actual money this year. 
Right. So think about that, guys. One point eight million. Get an athlete at linebacker, and you're probably giving up a day three pick or multiple. Give them a couple second round picks. Give them a fifth round pick. I don't care. But that deal should happen. The Bengals should be all in on Deron Lee right now. The Bengals should trade every single one of their six round picks for players from other teams like Zach Brown, like Darren Lee, who can fill needs and give you flexibility in the draft. Darren Lee was suspended for the last four games of 2018. So you know, put whatever character questions you want there. That's the first right. time he's had an issue. But, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons the Jets are looking to move on. Regardless, young athlete built the same way as these guys coming out this year, Devin Bush, Devin White, one or whatever it is, 230, runs fast, agile. That's the kind of guy you want if you're the Bengals. You want the cover, guys. You do, and that's what they need. And, you know, they need the athleticism versus the run, too. But they need the athletes that can move and – Adding somebody with youth and upside still, that's why I think Dron Lee makes a lot of sense. But I'd be in on Zach Brown, too, and I know he's a bit of a, a knucklehead. But he has produced for four diff- or three different franchises while being inconsistent. Uh, he's somebody that would be a represent an instant upgrade, not only just in ability, but the athleticism and coverage. Oh, I'm still on that. I'm still on that Quan Alexander deal. That's so oh. crazy. Yeah. What else do we got? What other um, updates or signings? I, I'm, I'm, I'm refreshing Twitter right now because it's coming fast. Honestly, by the time people listen to this, we're going to be like, yeah, old news. Yeah. Well, maybe you all get lucky and we'll get an early release time here. Yeah, Kevin Johnson, former Texans corner and first-round pick, signing with the Bills. Deshaun Jackson is expected to be released from the Bucks, even though the Bucks say they have not released him, and reports are that he will ultimately end up with the Eagles again. So... Uh, yeah, still a really good deep threat. Tyron Matthew got offered $9.5 million from the Texans, but will test free agency. So if you want to know what it'll cost to get a Tyron Matthew, more than $9.5 million. Everybody that you thought the Bengals would be able to sign or maybe be competitive with, they're out. They're not doing it. Wait, wait a week, see who's left. Reset your expectations. Yeah, I, I thought maybe they would find you know some somebody. Uh, but no, not happening. NFL teams have too much money. They're, the way overspending explodes in free agency. Man, I mean, these teams are getting some picks. Like that's those are your third round picks. CJ Mosley, Baltimore's getting a third round pick. Trent Brown, New England's getting a third round pick. I'll be shocked if it, it maybe you know what? Maybe thirteen and a half million won't stand up for Tampa to get a third round pick. No, it, it should right. I mean, I, I think that would be a third. That's got to be. But yeah, I know it's sometimes we end up surprised the following year after all these other deals roll in. I think I, the, the names people are going to keep mentioning for the Bengals, and that's Preston Brown and Bobby Hart, because I can see them guys, not either, either one of them not getting much interest out there for understandable reasons. But Jordan Hicks possibly could be there in another week. He's really never been healthy in his career. While he's been athletic and good in coverage, and he's still young, uh, his health is going to be a big issue, I think. Well, but it should have been an issue for Quan Alexander, and it wasn't. So maybe I'm wrong there. But I think in another week, if Jordan Hicks is out there, that's yeah. when the Bengals could potentially get interested. Uh, worth noting that Quan Alexander will have to pass a physical with the 49ers before his deal becomes official. So there is a little caveat there, but he'll pass his physical. So what else we got? We got... Uh, those are the things happening up to the moment of recording. 
CJ Mosley is definitely not on the table for the Bengals. Other guys that we've talked about on this podcast, Landon Collins also drawing early interest from teams. He's been linked to like five teams, I want to say already. So Landon Collins, probably not on the table. Tyron Matthew, Joe just mentioned, probably not on the table. I think also we should uh, be aware of Darquez Denard. Just I'm putting two and two together here. Uh, teams have inquired with the Vikings about Trey Waynes and who's the other one, uh, but two of their corners that they've spent premium picks on and seeing, and I think the other ones is Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. So teams have inquired about them and the byline to that was the, it must be that teams aren't really feeling strong about the free agent corners. Our focus obviously being on Darquez Denard. And then Kat Terrell just tweeted that the Bengals want Darquez Denard, but they under well she didn't say they undervalued the slot she said the slot position is still undervalued despite teams being in nickel often and if a team overpays for Denard to be an outside corner which happens all the time in free agency yeah. that it would be out of the Bengals range so that at least tells us the Bengals have an idea of what they value Denard at the free agent market for corners may not be very strong we'll have to look at what Kevin Johnson gets uh, when those numbers are out but something to keep an eye on there that I think if the offer or if the the market's not very strong for Denard, that's when he comes back. And we talked about this too, Jake, that we would feel much better if we're not giving eight to ten million dollars a year to Denard, but if maybe if it's in the six to eight range. Yeah, and there and and I think there are better slot corners on the free agent market than Darquez Denard too, especially right. when it comes to coverage. Like, yeah, Denard might be the best run defending slot guy out there this year. But like Joe said, there's a chance that somebody sees, you know, somebody liked him coming out of Michigan State, no fly zone first round pick and is like you know what he can be an outside corner for us he can move inside he can play the leon hall role and somebody might sign him to a to a real deal that the Bengals don't want to touch especially right. if you're a team that values the physicality and run defense for that I, it's it's weird because we've talked about safeties and linebackers kind of morphing into the same role at least one of them you know the one weak side linebacker is turning into a safety at the same time the nickel corner is also doing that because teams want to defend the run from their nickel package so that's that nickel corners kind of turn into a safety they're getting bigger they're getting stronger while some teams are actually liking the quick guys to match up with slot receivers a lot of teams are saying we want the big physical guy inside whether that be a safety which a lot of safeties this year that have that versatility tested very well at the combine so that's just only going to help those guys but i think that's where dark Denard fits in he's more of the safety corner hybrid even though he did play corner his whole career just his size ability and his strengths and weaknesses would interest, I think, those teams that view that position that way. Oh, man. Free agency is a wild time, huh? It's fun. I like it, even though the Bengals aren't directly involved. I like to... It's it's the same as anything. It, it helps set the standard of what other NFL teams are doing, and you get jealous easily of these other teams, and you, you quickly realize you probably shouldn't spend this money on those guys, but... Then you get into the season, and those same players are helping those teams win. Yeah. And you go, you know what? You gotta spend, and you, you spend the next eight months of saying, you gotta go out there, you gotta spend some money in free agency. You have to do it. Then day one of free agency happens, and you go, whoa, we shouldn't touch any of these guys because this is insane. Well, there so, are bad deals, and I think all the deals that we've seen so far are pretty bad deals. Unless Trent Brown is going to shock me personally and stay a good offensive tackle in Tom Cable's system in Oakland, that's not a good deal. Quan Alexander, I think, is one of the the worst O-line coach, though, Trent Brown. Yeah. So so what are we doing? Uh, 
Quan Alexander, I think, is is probably. I'm trying to think of a worse contract I've seen given out in the NFL. I mean, there has to be there, but point being is day one, day two, day three, there's not going to be a value deal. Mm-hmm. I was surprised when that misreport came out. Field Yates, who does a fantastic job, he must have got his numbers mis- mixed around there from Malik Jackson. He said three years, ten million, and I thought. What are we doing, NFL? We're letting the Eagles get a great pass rusher, and it turns out it was three years, thirty million. Still, ten million dollars a year doesn't seem that crazy for me. But uh, there aren't going to be any bargain deals these first three days, and that's what—that's the perspective of the Bengals too. And I understand that. I just think there are times where you need to go out and spend and get these. There's a reason why these bad teams so far, right? We're seeing teams that have picked top ten are being the aggressive teams of saying we need to go out and get these talents. It's probably because they've missed on draft picks. Like let's take the 49ers, for example. Reuben Foster's not on the roster anymore. They they felt the urge and need to go out there and, re- and rectify that missed pick based on his character, uh, and they spent for Quan Alexander. So they know they're overspending. They know what they're doing. They're cutting their losses and at the same time trying. And now they, they may be digging a deeper hole with a bad contract, but point being is the Bengals almost take the opposite approach of, oh, man, you know, we missed on a boy, he and Fisher. We really can't overspend now on Whitworth or even an offensive or free agent um, offensive tackle. So – they're, they kind of wrote yeah. it out for the all, for the entire four years instead of being aggressive and going and fixing it as soon as you know you have an issue. That's a fair point. For me, I still would try to find the value in free agency instead of and overpaying. That's what the next few weeks are for, though. Yeah. You can go get one big guy now and then find values throughout. But they got the wrong guy. That's fine. I, I don't. This is an example that you – what if it was the right guy? What if it was K.J. Wright? You love K.J. Wright. Say it was K.J. Wright that got this deal. You'd say, great. You know, so point being is – I would still is, think it's an overpay, but I would be more amenable to it. Maybe Quan Alexander's – but maybe he, maybe he re, you know, lives up to his potential. And, and he doesn't then, even have to. He's for the 49ers. What do we care? Spend, them, spend bad contracts. My point is the perception of the Bengals going and doing a similar deal if it's the right guy. Yeah. I mean, and the 49ers obviously feel he's the right guy or they wouldn't pay that kind of money. Of course. It's like a draft pick. When you take someone in the first round, you believe he's not going to bust. But truth is, you've got a 50-50 chance. Luke Easterling makes a good point. With Quan Alexander going to San Francisco, not staying in Tampa, he covers Tampa in addition to doing mock draft stuff for, I think, USA Today. Grab a Sharpie and put Devin White at number five in your mock draft. And he's talked about this before, actually, where Devin White would make a lot of sense for the Bucks, for what they want, what they covet. Uh, yeah. And as the, we're, we're, the free agency is going to reset our mock drafts. We did mock draft Monday yesterday, and we said it's the last before free agency because you can flip the table again. And we're going to, as much as we've learned those first 10 picks and what to expect, where those team needs are, because you kind of have a, an awareness of who's ahead of you, we're going to have to relearn that now over the next month. So this has been a wild opening to free agency. Uh, I'm hoping personally that the Bengals make a pick swap trade here for Zach Brown and or Darren Lee. Get them both. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> These numbers are pretty staggering. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to see them go out and spend $9 million on a guy in unrestricted free agency, but those $9 million contracts are like Friday deals. Yeah. They're not Monday we- deals. We got to think of the Cordy Glenn trade last year. Remember, there was no, very little guaranteed money left on his deal. Yep. Um, even though he makes about $10 million a year, 
as we said in the opening, the cash versus the cap, they're no problem cap-wise, $10 million. They're never near the cap. They don't have to worry about that. So if you can go out and find some tradable targets that are in that similar mold, that's why I thought Kalichi Osemele made a lot of sense. Uh, that didn't happen, obviously. But point being, if you can find a few of those guys, if you're looking for free agent targets, find the types like Cordy Glenn. That's why I think Zach, Zach Brown and uh, Duran Lee make a lot of sense, especially Duran Lee. So we'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. We'll be putting out the podcast. If the Bengals do shock us and make a deal, make a trade, make a free agent signing, we will be on for an emergency right. podcast, at least one of us. Hopefully both. We'll see how it works out. Uh, hopefully the Bengals do something, you know? Hopefully something works out. Otherwise, it'll be fun for us to spectate and comment on what's happening around the league. If anything, complaining and wishing the Bengals would do something is the most fun we can have. Yeah, and I'm glad they're not doing something like signing Quan Alexander to a crazy, crazy crazy-ass deal. Holy. How would you feel about Trent Brown, though? Because we talked about Alexander. If they give the same deal for Trent Brown, would Uh -uh. you be like, man, bad mistake? Yeah. Because that's another guy that I don't believe is going to have, you know, he's he's another prove it to me. Prove it to me that you can be that successful or remotely successful, to be honest. He was solid. He was solid with the 49ers before the trade. Just for the, he just became really, really good for the Patriots, as we've seen they do that. And he was particularly good in the postseason, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl. So I think his value is inflated. Looking at PFF... He was their 48th ranked tackle in 2018. So, if anything, NFL teams are not looking at PFF grades when they're high, when they're paying these guys because Quan Alexander graded very poorly on PFF consistently. Sure. Uh, Trent Brown PFF has giving up a total of 35 pressures on 608 pass blocks. That's not a lot. A very, that's a lot. Nine penalties. He had 1,341 snaps last year, Trent Brown. But also it should be noted. Okay, that's including postseason. But it also should be noted that he graded out pretty well in 2017 for the 49ers also with a 73 grade, actually higher than he did for the Patriots. Wild times in the NFL. We'll be back when more news happens. This has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm hoping we're on soon to talk about a Bengals trade for Darren Lee or Zach Brown. But instead, actually, a quick update to the show here. We have news from Cincinnati that Bobby Hart has been extended on a $21 million three-year deal. We don't know the specifics of the guarantees or the bonuses. We've also heard that CJ Uzama will be extended on a $6 million a year three-year deal, which we're pretty happy with. Joe was on his way into work and decided to record his reaction. And I'll just let you guys listen to that. A little update to the show here, and uh, we'll close it there. So I'm driving to work, and I figured I've got 10 minutes here to record some reaction on the Bengals' first day of free agency. They signed C.J. Uzama. Great signing, in my opinion. I think Uzama's 26 years old. He's gotten better every single year. Remember, this is a guy that had a running backs coach and an offensive line coach to teach him how to play tight end. At Auburn, former wide receiver, so he was definitely raw coming out, fifth-round pick. Every year he's gotten better better with it in terms of route running, blocking, uh, catching, special teams even. He's a good number two tight end at this point, and I think there's still some upside left. And giving him $6 million a year put him, puts him in the 
15 of 20 range after other tight ends get signed this offseason. So that that's good number two tight end money considering any any tight end on a rookie deal is going to be paid less. So uh, this is fair, and it allows them to still draft a tight end as high as they want, even in the first round without really spending too much at that position. So good signing, good re-signing with C.J. Ozama. But really the news is that the Bengals have extended Bobby Hart at right tackle on a three-year, $21-plus million deal reported by Adam Schefter. And this is the absolute worst. Oh, my God. God, this is terrible. This is, jeez, this could not be any worse of a scenario. I mean, I I knew they wanted to keep him, but I thought maybe at a modest deal that would make him the, the top swing tackle or make it where they could at least bring in competition. If you think Cordy Glenn's making nine and a half million this year, and then Bobby Hart's going to get seven, and they're and they're going to draft a tackle, they're not drafting a tackle now. It's not happening. They're going to draft a developmental guy, third, fourth, fifth round. But first round tackle is off the charts now. It, 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 Bobby Hart gave up 10 sacks last year, also had 11 penalties, gave up 40-something pressures. He was a disaster at right tackle. And not just that, too, because you could get by with a bad right tackle. But does anybody really believe that they're going to go spend on a right guard now? So now you've got the worst right guard and right tackle combination in pass protection in football. And on top of that, Andy Dalton is behind them. And we know, even the most strongest supporters of Andy Dalton, that'll tell you, guys, give him a break. Look at his offensive line. Even those guys will say, they just extended Bobby Hart. That means he's going to be starting. Andy Dalton is getting no help on this offensive line this year. They may draft a mid-round guard. Maybe they go signed a, a a swing tackle this year. But my God, it is that this is it, man. They're gonna let him crash and burn, and that's it. We gotta squarely be looking at the next quarterback because he cannot survive behind this offensive line. This is a disaster. Seven million dollars a year. I tell you how many ways you can spend seven million on somebody else. My God. This is not a good day for Bengals fans. How do they continue to get worse in the offseason? They just spent $13 million on their backup tight end and terrible right tackle. $13 million. And if you go by the Jeff Hobson's articles that say they got about $20 million to spend, that leaves one more player. Maybe they get a vet linebacker. Maybe it's Dark Denard. But you keep those three guys, you don't get better. You don't get better. You're going to rely on the draft to get better, and you're eliminating positions that you're going to draft because that's not how they operate. They won't sign Bobby Hart to $7 million a year and then bench him. They won't do that. My God. I'm just still blown away, and I can tell by the reaction of everyone else on Twitter. They are, too. I think Pro Football Focus said four guys gave up more than 10 sacks last year at offensive tackle, Bobby Hart being one of them. That puts them in rare territory of just bad, bad. This is not cool. This sucks. This is not, not cool at all, man. Oh my God. What are they going to do now? How do they salvage it? How do they make it seem okay, right? They go out and they sign Mitch Morse at center, Matt Paradis at center, move Billy Price to right guard, and now you've got a good four out of five offensive lineman. But man, at this, we just went over, Jake and I on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, we went over the offensive line spending budget 
And after Trey Hopkins got three million and Harkett's seven million, that ten million, they are at their budget of what they spent maximum for like 2015 when they had a good offensive line. 15, 16 when they had a really good O-line. They're at that again. And this offensive line does not look like 2015. It does not. I am nervous. I am nervous, man. We all thought it was Marvin. This is the front office again making terrible decisions in free agency. They continue to lose in free agency. How? How do you continue to do this? I'm just ranting over here. I thought maybe you guys would like to let some hot air out. Here's some frustration. Cry with me. Oh, this sucks. This is not good. This is not good. Man, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get attacked on Twitter by Bobby Hart's representatives now. And that's not good either. So I'm going to end this. But my Lord, I am depressed after this. And with that, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is Joe Goodberry.